So we're going to do repeal and replace. Very complicated stuff. Tests, office visits, pills, hospitalization. What do they all actually cost? $330 billion with a B. Monday marks the beginning of open enrollment in the health insurance marketplaces. This is confusing. You're listening to Health O'Clock, show 21. Recorded March 25th, 2018. We are your source for health trends, news, and insights. Now it's time to talk about healthcare. Hello, everybody. Hello, and our live stream went so well last time that we've decided to do it again. It's just fun, you know? See, y- You know, people, people have fun, and we really like the interactive feature where people can write in the comments and, and we can have a discussion. Those in the live feed are painfully aware, though, that this is Sunday morning and we just like got done reading the paper and having breakfast. Uh, Yeah, we're still in our morning phase here, so we're trying to wake up. But you know what? What better time to talk about healthcare? You're right. (laughs) What better time? So today we're going to talk about risk pools. But before we do that, a few disclaimers. Ah, yes. I am a health actuary. I used to work for a major insurance company. Now I work for a consulting firm. Um, But anything I say on this podcast is purely for educational entertainment purposes. Uh, You shouldn't take what I say on this podcast and go start a business with it. Uh, So if you need an actuary, go hire one. And I am just a normal guy. I don't represent anything to do with, I don't know, I guess, the Sunday morning newspaper And, you know, today, I'm going to be honest, I realized why they call March Madness Madness, (laughs) because my precious wild cats have have lost in the Elite Eight. It was a fun ride, though. So you don't represent the K-State Wildcats? I can't say that. I'm going to bleed purple. <laughs> but <laughs> That's all right. It was a That's fun game right. to watch. It was a fun ride. Elite Eight's not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> let's get into it. What What is risk pools? Like, risk pools. I've heard this term thrown around. Uh, well, Jay, what do you know about it? Let's start from there. Next to nothing. I mean... Risk and pools, I can kind of logically, by the name, it kind of sounds like whatever is a high risk, or maybe you take people of a certain risk and you pool them together. You're halfway there. Okay. You're halfway there. I think in order to accurately and like give everyone out there in internet and podcast land a, a good idea of what they actually are, I think we need to... Do some healthcare 101. <laughs> 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 healthcare 101, risk pools. So some basic insurance, which many of you may know. Insurance companies are selling you a piece of paper. What they're doing is you give them money and they're buying your future risk. So Jay, the risk that you might get sick sometime in the future, you are buying security. The insurance company is buying the risk that you're going to get sick. And so what do they do with that? So right now, I would assume my risk is relatively low. 
Right. And so they're are they paying a premium price for my low risk? Um you're paying them. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're paying them to get rid of your risk. Okay. But arguably you should pay less because your risk at this point is lower. Yeah. Now they may have some people who have much, much higher risk. So arguably they should pay a higher price to get rid of their higher risk. That's right. Now there are some people whose risk is crazy off the charts. Like somebody who just got diagnosed with cancer. The chances that they're going to have crazy medical bills are an almost certainty. So in order to get the insurance company to buy that risk, they need to have a way to lessen the impact on them. Otherwise, they're not going to buy it. So in order to stabilize costs, figure out how much all of these crazy people coming in with all different risk levels, insurance companies pool all these people together. Oh. They know that they're going to have a certain percentage that are going to be low risk, certain percentage that are going to be really high risk, and then a bunch of people in the middle. If you throw them in a pool together, then law of averages says we can predict the cost a lot better. That's brilliant. Who came up with that? That's a great idea. (laughs) Actuaries. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the question, though. In the past, the, the mix has been a little bit stable because of underwriting, Uh, There are all these different methods that insurance companies use to keep that that ratio of people stable. So what happens if all those go away and things keep changing? Okay, so what what happens when all of the... So say the mix keeps changing. Yeah. You can't really predict costs anymore. Yeah, then the whole pricing becomes a little dicey, I would say. So let's start with a really simple non-insurance related example. Okay. Say you've got a swimming pool. You've got two swimming pools. So times are good. Times are good. At my house, two swimming (laughs) pools. You have two swimming pools. There are 15 people in each swimming pool. Okay. Because the rules say you have to have exactly 15 people in each swimming pool. That's the block rules. Yes. Yes. So one swimming pool has 10 children in it and five adults. And the other swimming pool has three children and 12 adults. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you some questions now. <laughs> so the 10, t- ten <laughs> children, <laughs> five adults, versus three children, 12 adults. Right. So which pool has a higher splash level? Oh, gosh. It's going to be the kids unless there's some really obese... Uh, pool-loving <laughs> adults. But you know what? That's part of the risk. I'd, I mean, there could be one or two obese guys that are like cannonball every yeah, single and jump. and then you're hosed. <laughs> but we'll assume for now that the adult-heavy pool is going to be less splashy. Yes. Okay. So what about which pool has a higher cleanup likelihood? Oh, boy. I, yeah, it's going to be the 12 children. <laughs> Clean up like likelihood, meaning there's a baby Ruth candy bar floating in the pool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it right. happens. It happens. I mean, you know. So going along with that, which pool is going to be more expensive to maintain? Well, I mean, more cleanup and, and more splash means less water. Uh, mm. So again, I think the, the children, high children number is going to be the most expensive to so maintain. So far, 
you have answered correctly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jay, which pool would you choose to get in? Uh, I'm going to go with Team Adults on this one. <laughs> like, you, you want a, a restful, non-body yeah, fluid pool. <laughs> yeah, get me on something that's you know nice and calm. Maybe one of those floating chairs with a margarita or something. That sounds pretty good. Maybe a float-up bar at the oh, adult oh, pool. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Okay, so if you're a kid, which pool do you want to get in? Well, the kids are going to want to go with where the like craziness is. Heck yeah. You don't want to get in the boring adult pool. You no. want to get in the kid pool. That's exactly right. All right. So that was our first example. You passed. Congratulations. <laughs> you, I feel oddly trained in risk pools. That was a great example. All right. Let's step it up a level and talk about a healthcare risk pool. Okay. Um, let's say that we have the same number of people in two different plans and one plan has a $0 deductible and older, sicker people. And the other plan has a very high deductible and mostly young, healthy people. What's the risk level? Well, to me, it sounds like the healthy people, high deductible plan is the one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're young and healthy. Yes. If you were, if you had a condition, which plan would you go with? Well, I guess the one where money's actually being used. <laughs> yeah. 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 Usually people with conditions who know they're going to use their health plan are more likely to pick plans with much lower deductibles. That's right. But they get pooled with other people with conditions. Uh, what about claim likelihood? We kind of talked about this already. Depending on which plan you pick, what's the likelihood you're going to have tons and tons of claims coming in? The healthy group is not going to have as many claims unless, you know, a sprained ankle from running or something like that. Right, or skydiving. Yeah, something, something rare that's probably relatively low cost compared to the group that is a lot of sick people lumped into one group. Right. Okay, so which plan costs more? Oh, come on. It's the sick people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we talked about which one you'd pick and which one a sick person would pick. So now let's add to this. There's a huge difference in price between the two. Got all the healthy people in one and all the sick people in the other. Crazy cost difference. So now let's say one of the pools has a barrier to entry. Say a sick person says, okay, I've got some in savings. I'd rather pay less and go in the healthy plan. Now, let's say that the healthy plan has underwriting in it. What's underwriting again? Underwriting is they look at all of your medical history and based on that say, here's what you're going to pay. Okay. So usually it's, it's a way to kind of weed out the sicker people and keep... The low-cost plans, low-cost. Yeah. That would be a, a big risk for that or not healthy person to jump into the healthy pool. Yeah, even they though. may not be able to get into it. Yeah. Or say that the healthy plan gets marketed somewhere where only healthy people hang out. We'll say a dis disc golf course. Yeah. <laughs> so if they show up at the disc golf course to all the young, healthy people playing disc golf, there might be older people there, but yeah. they're probably healthy if they're playing disc golf. Say they only sell these plans to those people. Okay. And then the other plan, they only go market at the hospital emergency room. Oh, gosh. 
what are the pools gonna look like then <laughs> um yeah i mean that is that paints a pretty obvious picture there yeah. i would say See, all this is pretty obvious it's, it's pretty straightforward if you have only sick people in the pool it's going to be very expensive if you have only healthy people it's going to be very cheap so let's roll that into an example about the affordable care act okay so you've got these plans and you've got no barriers to entry. Anybody can get into them, but they're starting to be very expensive because all these things are required to be covered. You can't turn anybody away. So, but it's going to be a real slice of pie picture of what the health in the United States is, correct? Because right. everybody can come in. You'd think so. But remember, we already have people who are covered through their employers, so they're off somewhere else oh yeah you have uh people under medicare and medicaid sometimes you have students under student plans so who's left the people who couldn't afford health care the people who either their job doesn't cover it people who don't work uh people who are make slightly too much to be on medicare but maybe are too sick to work so that's what you get going into this individual market because all the people covered under employer plans, they're, they're not in this pool at all. What you have is very expensive plans, a subset of the population who's likely to be sicker. And then you have the healthy people seeing the rates and saying, uh, I can go without. So they drop off and now you only have sick people in this pool. Yeah, huh? That kind of explains what happened. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's uh, what happened is it's called a death spiral. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> or the start of a death spiral, oh, which is gosh. really foreboding. So you start out with kind of a good mix, but then the healthy people start to drop off. They're like, "This is getting too expensive. I can't afford it." So then they're not balancing out the cost of the sick people. Yeah. So then the price goes up. Yep. And then more healthy people drop off. And the higher the, the price, price went up. And the higher the price keeps rising, the, the more healthy, healthy people, people come off. Which are needed. Which are needed to keep the pool. And that's why they put that individual mandate in place. That's why they required everybody to buy insurance because they were trying to prevent this from happening. Oh, man, that sucks. So that's risk pools. Uh, Thank you for learning. <laughs> All this talk of of uh, risk pools makes me realize my head is spinning and I need a break. I don't All know. right, let's let's take a break. checking our facebook live feed and we have three people watching us live hi three people <laughs> how does it feel to be the smarter three people of the world of the I, world i mean you are getting valuable information <laughs> that no one else has <laughs> 
All right. We want to jump into a segment we haven't done in a while. We lovingly, lovingly call it Twitter versus Twitter. Yeah, that's the Twitter fight. <laughs> In this corner, <laughs> we have people talking about risk pools. Which In is, the other <laughs> corner, we have more people talking about risk pools. <laughs> Which is the theme of the show. Risk pools. All right. So, at MAHP Health tweeted, Association health plans will split the risk pool, resulting in higher premiums for those who are sick and would not cover minimum essential benefits under the Affordable Care Act. Lawrence Telper, Dear America, if you don't know what a risk pool is, you have no right to talk about insurance of any kind, car, renters, life, or especially health, because you don't understand fundamentals of how insurance works. Real quick. A little preachy. He, he feel, this is one of those instances where I feel the internet gives too much freedom and safety to those who don't realize. Like, he's unnecessarily mean here. It's a little preachy. Yeah. 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 I mean, he might have some truth to it. Because risk pools is basically oh, what insurance is. Yeah. But yeah, be a little nicer. Yeah. Come on. People is, are reading this. It nice is Twitter. people. Yeah. It is Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Devin Herrick tweeted hashtag individual mandate was intended to force younger, healthier people to join the insurance risk pool to cover insurers' costs for sicker customers' care. An individual mandate does not make healthcare more affordable. It shifts costs through coercion. Hey, we just talked about that. That he's spot on, I would suppose. Hubert Gasson Hughes. <laughs> what a name. First off, three stars for the name. Cause Hubert. Hubert. Uh, he says, Obamacare is such an unstable system since no one wants any sick people to join their health care risk pools. Duh. SoCal me Katie 11 tweeted, Gonna tweet storm about the U.S. healthcare system for a hot second here, and why a single-payer system would be great. I have psoriasis. I've had it for a long time. It sucks. Pre-Obamacare insurance companies tried to put me in a high-risk pool because of it. That's an interesting... I'm, I want to s- sidebar on this for Okay, a yeah. Single-payer system would get rid of all those divisions. So all risk pools would be gone. All risk, it would be one big risk pool. Yeah. Which would be very stable. It yeah. means that the cost wouldn't keep going up and up. We wouldn't go into that death spiral. Hmm. Uh, you wouldn't That's have the people who have employer coverage segmented off. You wouldn't have like all these different segments of different risk levels. Everyone would just be in together. Yeah. So it's an interesting idea. Yeah. All right, so is it time to jump headfirst into the news? News. All right, we've got lots of news going on. Oh, it's just a world of news out there. And I actually wrote this, wrote up these show notes like a week ago. Uh, So some of this news may even be out of date already. But we've got the first headline, Martin Scarelli. You remember Martin Scarelli, Our right? buddy who yeah. who loves Wu-Tang. 
<laughs> this is the guy who bought up some low-priced rare drugs for rare conditions and jacked the price yeah. up like crazy. Like to insane levels where people couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah. He's going to jail for seven years because of what he did in the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> seven years. Finally, sweet justice. Number two. Cigna, which is a large health insurer, covers, um, is probably the third largest health insurer behind Anthem Blue Cross, United. Um, yeah, they're pretty big. They bought Express Scripts. What is, is that a website or something? No, they are a PBM, Pharmacy Benefits Manager, meaning what they do is they manage prescription drugs. They set prices, they negotiate prices with the drug makers, they try and manage costs and so forth. They're, I mean, they're the one thing holding down drug costs. Okay. So does big health insurer bought them for $52 billion? Wow. I don't know if you remember, but Aetna bought CVS. Is that right? That's her, well, Is it CVS? It's CVS or Walgreens. Wow. Okay. One of those. Yeah, a couple like a month ago. Wait, I thought CVS bought Aetna. Check. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, you're right. So you see all of these insurers c combining with these pharmacies and pharmacy managers. Uh-huh. Trying to keep the cost low, but it reminds me of a game of Monopoly <laughs> at the end where like team people combine to try and take down the big player. Yeah. That, that's what it reminds me of. That's Everyone's what... kind of merging and forming these big multinational conglomerates. So it's kind of interesting to see what happens there. Oh, that's great. And we hope that with all these new businesses jumping in and, and managing things get better for the person. Like I know Amazon's jumping in and CVS and all of them have, uh, they excel when the common man excels, I feel. Right. So we're hoping all of these mergers and, and new partnerships will drive the cost of healthcare down. We'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll see. Finally, the opi opioid epidemic. So I found a lot of news on this. This is still an ongoing crisis in the United States. Jay, what do you know about this? I know opioids are just crazy cheap and everybody's on them. I don't know, like six bucks for heroin is what I hear. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Well, it starts out as things like Oxycontin. They're okay. like these super, super painkillers that are also crazy addictive. Uh-huh. So you start taking it for your back, and before you know it, you're taking it probably beyond the point where you need it still. Yeah. Um, and this has become a problem in the United States, and a lot of people have have started buying this and selling it not in legal places or ways, and it's kind of also a gateway drug to heroin because oh. it's similar kind of stuff. In Chemicals, <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. So this crisis is ongoing. It's a big problem. People keep dying from it. Higher percentages of the population are using this stuff. So there's some things that have happened. Florida law, they're trying to pass a Florida law to limit prescriptions of this stuff. Interesting. Like you can only have so many of these per year, no matter what your issue is which seems kind of a, a blanket, let's ban it all type approach. The Trump administration is studying a potential death penalty for opioid dealers. 
Whoa. Which seems pretty harsh, but this is a crisis and they're thinking this is how they're going to manage it. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's opioid dealers who are doing it illegally. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Not doctors (laughs) who prescribe too much. That seems (laughs) really harsh. (laughs) Also, an article came out on opioids effectiveness. So these super heavy painkillers versus taking an Advil. And they did all these tests. I think it was middle-aged men with similar kinds of conditions. And half the group they gave opioids to and half the group gave, they gave Advil and aspirin and whatever else to. Uh And they had them rate their pain over a period of time. And it turns out the opioids were no more effective than taking your basic painkillers that you can buy on the shelf. Oh, yeah. I heard that. So it's it's needlessly out there. Right. It's yeah. it's this super like addictive thing that maybe isn't even all that much better than anything else. Oh boy. So I thought that was an interesting study. So that's all we've got for today. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our online people. It has been fun. It's been really fun. I know this is a weirdo time to record, but we do appreciate everybody who decided to jump in and see what's going on. Yeah, we've had this show lined up for a couple weeks, and we're like, you know what? We've got time now. Let's just get it done. (laughs) Before it becomes (laughs) unrelevant. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So next show, we've got a couple lined up that we're thinking about doing. We might talk about opioids. We might jump more into the failure of Obamacare, in, Ooh, in yeah. quotes. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of interesting shows that we're thinking about doing. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us there. That's how we get the cred in the podcast world. That's how other people find us. Uh, share. Uh, share this. And um, thanks again for joining. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah.